official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. This morning, we're getting to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at one of the most interesting, I would argue one of the most important passages in all of Scripture, um, in all of the Bible. We're going to be looking at the first 13 verses of Acts chapter 2, and what we're going to see here is the genesis, the beginning of the church. It's kind of like the birthday of the church, the beginning of uh, what the book of Acts will soon refer to as people of the way, right? And so the word Christians wasn't around at the time, but really what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 2 is the genesis, the beginning of the church, and it starts in spectacular fashion. It starts with the fulfillment of a promise from the Old Testament and also a promise from Jesus himself that the Holy Spirit would come and live amongst God's people in a new way. And so this is the text that we're jumping into this morning. You guys ready for that? Okay, you all, I can sense the life in the room after what we just heard. So it sets us off right for Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together, the, the early followers of Jesus, in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, When this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we are born? And then Luke gives us the list of those who are present. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, those uh, who are Gentiles who converted to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? A good question to ask, right, when we, when we read a text like this. But others were mocking, saying they are full of sweet wine, right? How many of you can understand that, both of those perspectives, right? So uh, what does this mean? And also they are full of sweet, some of that sweet, sweet wine, that easy-to-drink wine. So, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, this is the genesis of the church. It gets started in spectacular fashion. God's presence comes among the people through the Holy Spirit. It's revealed to them amongst the people of God. 
And this passage is a fascinating passage. It's also a bit strange, right? It's also a bit strange, which, which makes it a great text, a great scripture for us to have a conversation about. It's like a friend who's a bit quirky, right? But there's, there might be a little bit strange, a little bit quirky, but there's never a dull moment, right? And so this is, this is our text this morning. And so with a passage like this, there are some tricky things that we get to talk about. Uh, at times, a passage like this can often become and start conversations that become divisive or contentious really quickly. Um, but I'm here to say it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm really excited that we get to come to it because I think it's exciting. But some of those tricky conversations that can come up, um, I want to spend some time talking about those, those um, ideas that are presented in this passage right up front. And so I want to look specifically at two ideas um, before we take a, a look at the bigger picture of the passage, talking about uh, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, something that um, can, we can have a really interesting conversation ar around, and also this idea of what's the deal with praying in tongues, right? What's the deal with praying in tongues? How many of you have or have ever had questions about either of these topics? What's the deal with this praying in tongues? What's, what's up? What, is, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And so we're going to be spending some time right up front talking about these things. I don't want to provide you with all the answers, but it's my hope and my prayer uh, in that first section of this morning's sermon that we're able to um, provide you with the relevant scriptures, um, not just this scripture, but the other relevant scripture to uh, the ideas that are presented in these passages and that you can wrestle with them and read them on your own. And so I'm going to have some passages uh, just kind of up there for you to see. And I want you to take pictures of them with your phone how, or write it down. However, you can take these passages home with you. Um, and so hopefully you'll be equipped to kind of engage these passages on your own or in a group of people outside of our Sunday. Abby wrote some fantastic discussion questions for this morning's sermon. And so you can use those passages and use those questions to engage this text in a deeper way. Um, and it's also uh, my goal to provide you with a little bit of background material and context so that we're able to understand in a deeper way the full picture of what's going on here in Acts chapter 2. So after I spend some time talking about those two things, I'm going to take a step back and we're going to look at some of the bigger ideas that we often miss, right? Because we're interested in tongues. We're interested in what's, what, it, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But when, if we were to spend all our time talking about those two things, we would miss a lot of the bigger stuff that's happening in this chapter. And it's fascinating, it's interesting, and it's challenging. And so it's my hope that we're able to take a step back and understand a little bit more about what's going on here. Uh, Abby, in our um, correspondence about this morning's sermon, gave me a great analogy that I'd like to share with you for the, the structure and the function of this morning's sermon. It's kind of like being in an art class where we're going to spend time looking at the painting and looking at the brush strokes and the, the colors in a particular portion of the canvas and the different shapes. Um, but, and, the, and those are all important. The details are important. But you can never understand the painting until you take a step back and see it in all of its fullness. And so those are important details. But if you don't see the whole thing, we're not going to get it. And so we're hopefully going to take a step back. Um, and I want to take that analogy also just one step 
further this morning um, in that a good sermon, like a good painting or a good teaching, like a good painting, helps us not only to understand or captures something or captures some sort of beauty, but a good teaching, a good sermon, a good portion of scripture has the capacity to immerse us in the beauty that the painting captures, right? And so it's my prayer for us this morning that as we jump into uh, this text, that we're able to find ourselves immersed, not only in understanding what the text says, but immersed in what I see as the beautiful, wonderful presence of God that we find right here in Acts chapter 2, that we would find ourselves in the passage. So, The first thing I would like to discuss is this idea of being filled with the Spirit. So, the event here in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost when it happens, they're all together. There's a sound like a rushing wind. Tongues of fire says disperse and appear amongst them. Uh, Tongues as of fire says strange already. says they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues. um, and, And... as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So there's this idea of being filled with the Spirit. The text says they are filled with the Spirit. So the first thing I want to say about this is this is actually a fulfillment of a promise that Jesus gave his disciples. Uh, We actually find this promise, and I have this uh, list of the first scriptures for you all. It's actually promised in all four of the Gospels. Um, Jesus promises it again in Acts chapter 1 in in verses 3 and 4 that the disciples, there will come a time when he says this, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And so he says, wait, pray, and there will come a time when you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke, there's every indication uh, through reading the, the book of Acts that what's happening here in Acts chapter, chapter 2 is actually a fulfillment of this promise that Jesus gave. And so we're paying attention to this. So from Pentecost on, from this day forward, the Spirit of God now indwells everyone. It takes up personal residence with everyone who follows and believes in Jesus. So this is something that's not controversial. This is something that there's not a lot of argument around throughout church history, uh, that the New Testament and Scripture is clear, that as you follow, you hear the gospel, you hear the word of truth, and you believe in Jesus, that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, actually takes up residence in you, in your life. And so this is something that there's, Scripture has no um, ifs, ands, or buts about that issue. Uh, There are many scriptures I could go to to talk about this, but Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14 says that when you heard the truth and when you believed, you were sealed with the Spirit of God. When you heard the truth and when you believed, you were sealed with the Spirit of God. So this is something that everyone has access to um, upon hearing the truth, believing in Jesus. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So the New Testament is uh, clear about that. With that said, I specifically want to address the term that Acts 2 uses here, which is being filled with the Spirit. Um, 
every indication we have from the book of Acts and also elsewhere in the New Testament is that, and, and in the Old Testament actually, is that this term filled with the Spirit is used to describe an ongoing event in the life of the person who follows Jesus or in the life of a church community. So to be filled with the Spirit is something that continuously happens. And it's something that happens to empower. It's an empowerment that happens uh, by the Spirit of God to minister or to witness in a unique way. And so here in Acts 2, that unique way that we see they're filled with the Spirit to witness is by speaking in other languages. And so in Acts 2, this is happening at the same time in congruence with this fulfillment, this promise that the Holy Spirit would now be available, accessible to all who hear the truth and believe in Jesus. And so there's, there's something that happens that's accessible. It's a reality for all of us. And then it's also something that is an ongoing, happens on an ongoing, continuous basis to be filled with the Spirit. Um, we see that the Spirit of God, when people, it says this term, they're filled with the Spirit to witness or to minister, uh, that people are empowered to witness in all sorts of unique ways. Um, we see that people were empowered by the Spirit to preach or teach. We see that people were empowered by the Spirit to uh, prophesy, to heal the sick. Um, at times, in fact, perhaps the first time in Scripture that it says someone is filled with the Spirit is a man named Bezalel. And it's in Exodus chapter 31. And it says that Bezalel is filled with the Spirit. And it says that he's filled with wisdom and knowledge. And then it says this about how he is empowered by the Spirit to witness. He's filled with to have all kinds of skills for artistic design. Now, that's interesting, right? The first time the Spirit of God is said to have filled with someone, filled someone explicitly, it, that person is empowered. They have the, the, all kinds of skills um, for artistic design in uh, the building of the tabernacle. And so, uh, incredibly fascinating. So, the Spirit of God can fill and empower for all sorts of things. The way that we see it happen here in Acts chapter 2 is through speaking in tongues. So, uh, or other languages. So wherever we land up on those kind of various terms, being filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, where, does this, where is this fulfilled? Um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is clear that the Spirit of God is a gift, a gift and a per the Holy Spirit is a gift and a person that indwells everyone who believes Jesus. And the New Testament is clear also that we should desire to be filled with the Spirit, which is to have a posture that relies on, depends on, desires the Spirit's leading and empowerment. So that's something we will encourage you to have a posture on, to foster, to cultivate in your own life. To, to rely on, depend on, desire the Spirit's leading and also the Spirit's empowerment here at Church at the Well. So with that, let's get to praying in tongues. How many of you ready? So some tepid hands going up in the air. Okay, I want to have a list of scriptures up right behind me where tongues, and this is where tongues are explicitly mentioned in the New Testament. There's not a lot, actually. 
So we have Mark, a few verses in Acts, and we have 1 Corinthians. So I want to note a couple things about the details. Right, right now we're just looking at some of these brush strokes, some of these colors, some of these shapes right now. The first thing I want to note is that there's this word other present with the word tongues in Acts chapter 2. And so in our passage this morning, what we read, um, and so if you guys want to write those down or take a, take a picture of that real quick, because um, I'd like to throw back up the first few verses, actually, um, of Acts. Yeah, so I'll just have that on the screen behind me as we go through this. But in our passage this morning, uh, the disciples are speaking in other languages. So it's clear that the Spirit has empowered the disciples to speak other languages that are not in their own native language. And that's, uh, we know that not only because of what the text says about other tongues, but we know that because the text also says that the crowd was hearing them, the crowd heard them speaking in their own languages, indicating that it wasn't just babbling that they were hearing. They were actually hearing these disciples speaking in, in other languages that weren't their native language. Um, whereas, um, so it's kind of a subtle difference to bring up in the language they're talking about, this other tongues here in Acts chapter 2. But it's important when we compare these, and you can do your own work, when you especially jump into 1 Corinthians on uh, those few chapters where Paul is writing about the gifts of the Spirit and chapter 14, he really kind of dives in a little bit deeper on this issue of praying in tongues. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that tongues is actually listed as one of the gifts of the Spirit. But what we see in 1 Corinthians 14 is that actually there appears to be a little bit of a difference between the gift of tongues that we see in 1 Corinthians 14 and the other tongues the disciples are speaking in Acts chapter 2. Bear with me for a quick moment. So um, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul indicates that the gift of tongues, if it's used in a communal context, like the temple courts or in a church service, is always supposed to be used in congruence with a gift that's also the, called, it's called the gift of interpretation. Because Paul says otherwise, it's just, it's not intelligible words. But what we see in Acts 2 is they're actually hearing them speak in other languages. So there's every indication that what they're speaking is intelligible words here in Acts 2. But the gift of tongues uh, is actually supposed to be used in a communal context with uh, with the gift of interpretation as well. Um, we see that there's no interpretation that happens in Acts chapter 2. Um, these are really a separate teaching, but just one more thing about 1 Corinthians uh, 14. 1 Corinthians 14 teaches, as I mentioned, that there's the gift of tongues, and if it's used in a communal setting, like a church service, it's always supposed to be used with the someone else who has the gift of interpretation. But Paul also seems to indicate in 1 Corinthians 14 that the gift of tongues can be exercised and used in a believer's personal prayers to God. Personal prayers to God. This is how Paul writes of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries, right? Again, kind of this not 
intelligible um, language that Paul is using. He speaks not to men, but he speaks to God. And so the gift of tongues is a gift for, the, for individuals in the church to minister to others only when there's also the gift of interpretation present. But the gift of tongues can be a gift from God to you or to us or to an individual that they would be ministered in their own personal, uh, to be exercised in prayer, that it would be a minister to that individual in prayer. Um, Romans 8 uses similar language to 1 Corinthians 14, though Paul doesn't explicitly mention that he's speaking of tongues. Uh, But this is how he says one of the ways the Holy Spirit works in the lives of a believer. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you've been at a loss of words, even when it comes to prayer, right? Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, But thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit can actually equip us in prayer. And at times, that's even like wordless groans, according to Paul in uh, Romans 8. But in somehow, some way, that makes sense to God. Um, And so I think that's a beautiful thing. So uh, to summarize this section on speaking in tongues, the miracle that takes place in Acts 2, the disciples are speaking in other languages. Um, There's no need for interpretation. And here at Church at the Well, we believe that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, his personal presence and empowerment is available to the church today. That's our position. We believe that the Holy Spirit's personal presence and empowerment is available to the church today. You probably can't recall a service or a moment a leader was praying in tongues from right here where I'm standing. And I've been here for over eight years now, and I can't recall a moment where that has happened. But with that said, um, we will encourage you as scripture encourages all of us to eagerly pursue the filling and empowerment of the Spirit because it's vital to our mission as a church in showing who Jesus is to our communities. So Paul says, pray for and earnestly desire all of the gifts. Some of of that praying, some of that desiring might force us to step into a place that's a little bit uncomfortable or awkward or tricky. Um, but it's important that we have those conversations and it's important that we engage these texts, these scriptures, these passages together as a community because we're going to be better for it if we do, right? Um, much better than engaging these passages through a blog, right? Or Twitter. <laughs> so let's take a deep breath. Are you guys okay with that? Let's all just breathe in deep, please. Breathe out, right? Let's breathe in. It's nice, right? So I'm going to take a step back. And as I do, the first thing I want to say to, to you right now is that it's okay to have disagreements and questions about all of this. Welcome to the club, right? Welcome to the club. It's okay. It's okay. 
And if you want to connect with me or if you want to connect with Adam uh, on a deeper way and engaging these passages a little bit more, I'd really encourage you to reach out out to us, grab one of us. Um, They're not in my text or on my slides this morning, but in my preparation for this morning's sermon and in study, I have all sorts of nerdy charts and word studies and stuff like that that we can sit over and look over as we have coffee together. Um, but even more than that, if you're interested in like, who, what is the Holy Spirit? Who's the person of the Holy Spirit? And what does it look like to cultivate a life of following him, of discovering my gifts? Um, please reach out to, to Adam or I as well. We'd, we would really love to have those conversations with you. So it's okay to have um, questions uh, about all of this. We'd love to chat. Um, these are difficult passages. They can be difficult passages to wade through, but you don't have to do it alone, and you don't have to all the answers to take the next step, right, And in discovering what, what is all of this anyways. Um, second, while these are important discussions, opinions, positions, uh, these aren't the only orthodox positions. You'll find that throughout church history, Faithful followers of Jesus had, had differences of opinions about these scriptures, about these terms, about these passages, and you're a part of the family. And so if you find yourself perhaps a little bit of a different position on what it means to be filled with the Spirit, praying in tongues, etc., you can still be a part of the family here. You can still be a part of the family here. And so I just felt like it's important to mention those things before we take a step back out of some of those details. Um, 1 Corinthians, actually Paul highlights how even the earliest followers of Jesus wrestled with some of these, pa- some of these uh, topics that these passages bring up. So you don't need to have all the answers. It's okay to wrestle with these passages as well. So I want to take a step back as we finish exploring this text this morning, as we conclude, because all the details are important, but as I mentioned we can just really miss some of the big things that are happening, some of the really interesting things that are happening in Acts 2, if all we ever do is look at those details. Adam mentioned in the first couple of weeks in our series through the book of Acts that the book of Acts is about the continued ministry of Jesus. Even though Jesus isn't present for most of the book in his physical body, it's it's about the continued ministry of Jesus in the world, on this earth, through the church, which is empowered by the Spirit of God. Acts 2 is the beginning birthday of the church, which is later called the body of Christ. And after the church receives the Spirit, this is when the church begins to fulfill what Jesus told the church to do. He said, you'll be baptized with the Spirit, and then Be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, this is where this begins to be fulfilled by the church through the Spirit. So for me, when we look at a passage like this, a much more interesting question or a much more interesting discussion that we can have as a church family is, Why does God use the sign of tongues, of other tongues in Acts 2, as the inaugural event of the church? An interesting question, right? So for me, how many of you remember our series, How Technology Shapes Our Faith? 
One of the major things we presented in that, that series was this idea that the message is the medium. The message is the medium. And so we engage this idea. And so as we look at a passage like this, the medium in which God is using to inaugurate the church is tongues. And so if the message is the medium, what is the message of the medium of tongues? So Jesus says you'll be empowered by the Spirit to be a witness to who and where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We also see in Jesus' ministry, in his life on earth, that's recorded in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus preached the kingdom of God. And that as he preached the kingdom of God, Jesus was constantly, constantly expound, expanding the boundaries of who was invited into the kingdom of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We constantly see Jesus inviting more people, people who were traditionally taught they were on the outside of the circumference of God's radius of influence and reign. And all of a sudden, Jesus is expanding those boundaries to include more people as he preached the kingdom of God. And his commission to the church is that the church would continue expanding, going to all people and to all the earth. So the disciples then, here in Acts 2, speaking miraculously in other language in Acts 2, the church, where the church is started, should really be no surprise to us, right? It starts from the very beginning with different languages so that other people are able to hear about this good news. This is how the church starts with the boundaries expanding. And we're going to see this throughout the book of Acts, that the circumference of the radius of God's influence, this kingdom of God that's being preached, is continually expanding away from including, away from the temple and including all sorts of people we would have never thought would be included into the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, Speaking of the radius moving out from the temple, another big thing, this is the last big thing I kind of want us to look at, we could spend a lot of time, is this idea that what's happening in Acts 2 is this is the moment where the church and Jesus are becoming a new temple, a new type of temple. So the temple in the Old Testament was the place that was believed where heaven came to earth. This is what the, the temple is believing. So from the very beginning, there's temple language here in Acts chapter 1. We see that there is a sound like wind and fire that appears, which would have immediately brought up in the early audience's mind the pillar of fire and smoke that rested upon the tabernacle in the wilderness, which was carrying what? The presence of God, where it was believed to have been where heaven came to earth throughout the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John Jesus taught and showed the arrival of the kingdom of God here and now and the new testament the whole new testament insists from the gospels to the book of acts 
to the epistles and the letters to the book of Revelation, it insists that Jesus came to earth to establish the kingdom of God here and now, and that the inauguration of the kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus spoke of, started with his death and his resurrection. So Jesus' life, what he did, healing the sick, preaching good news to the poor, healing the blind, forgiving sinners. What this looked like is it looked, the things that Jesus did, his ministry, looked like what it looks like when God is in charge, right? This is a very simple way of articulating what is the kingdom of God, heaven on earth, right? And so in his death and resurrection, what we see is the beginning of God's new creation, his new kingdom. Not all is made right. Not everything's put back together right away, but it has started. And God's plan, we see, was never and has never been that the kingdom of God or heaven would be confined to one very specific geographical location. And God's plan from the very beginning was that his kingdom would not be confined and accessible to one very specific nation or people group in one particular geographical location. And so we see this happening in Acts chapter 2, where God's plan has always been for heaven and earth to be one. And in order for that to happen, uh, there needs to be a new temple. And so that starts Jesus' death and resurrection. N.T. Wright, uh, Adam preached on the ascension of Jesus in chapter 1, two weeks ago, which is when Jesus is taken up to heaven. N.T. Wright says this about the ascension. He's a theologian, a modern theologian. He says this. He says, when Jesus ascends to heaven, he brings a part of the new earth to heaven with him. And what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 2 is a promise, a seal of heaven coming to earth. Jesus sending the spirit to the church. And so there's a part of a new earth now in heaven with Jesus in his resurrected body. And there's a part of heaven now here on earth through the church. God's presence now established. And so then the church becomes the new temple wherever they go. This is how God is establishing his presence in all the earth. And so this is why it's important. Oh, I didn't give you guys some slides for this. There are also some Old Testament promises that this is actually what God is doing when he sends the Spirit in a new way. On Isaiah 32, Ezekiel 36, and Joel 2. We're not going to read those this morning. But these passages deal with this idea of that when God is doing this new thing, sending his Spirit in the Messianic kingdom, um, he's going to be establishing his presence in a new temple in all the earth. And the church now is a living, breathing temple of God, bearers of the presence of Jesus. Now, not all of us will pray in tongues. I'm just going to say that right now. Not all of us will pray in tongues. But all of us are called to go into all the earth and be bearers of Jesus' presence there. Now, when we do that, all of us will be required, in a sense, to speak a language we don't know. 
we'll all be required in a sense to speak a language we don't know when we are actually fulfilling the mission of Jesus, which is to go into all the earth. And so um, that often means speaking a language that is including more people, that's expansive, ever expansive in, in nature, um, in its nature, in inviting others into the kingdom of God. And usually this starts with speaking to those on the outside, right? Speaking to those who are marginalized, those who are oppressed, and proclaiming the good news that they are invited into the kingdom of God here and now. And so this is why it's important to do what we did this past Monday, right? Which was celebrate and reflect on a person like Martin Luther King Jr., right? I had no idea if he spoke in tongues, but I can tell you what, he spoke a language that invited freedom uh, to those who were on the outside, to those who were oppressed, to those who were marginalized. He spoke a language. He, he, he spoke a, the language of the oppressed, the language of the outsider, the language of the marginalized, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so it's important for us to do that, not just as Americans, but as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Because from the very beginning, we're called to be the, temp, the new temple of Jesus to those on the outside, to the ends of the earth. And to do this, we need the Holy Spirit just as much as we have in the past. The Holy Spirit is present as needed and as important as ever to the church as it has been in the past. And so as we finish this morning, uh, my prayer is that you would find time this week to wrestle with the finer details of these passages. Uh, but even more than that, that you would realize your need for empowerment by the Holy Spirit to be a witness of Jesus to the world and that you would be aware of the reality that as a follower of Jesus, you have become the new temple along with Jesus, which God is using to establish his presence in all the earth. It's my prayer for you this morning. And if you're like, what? I don't even know what's going on right now. I'm new to this whole thing. I'm new to this Jesus thing. I'm new to scripture, and I'm getting started this morning with praying in tongues and being filled with the Spirit, um, it's just going to be my prayer for you that you have an opportunity to hear and believe in Jesus, that the good news is that salvation is available to you, and that in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a second-class citizen. There's no such thing as those of us who have the Spirit and don't have the Spirit, uh, no matter our socioeconomic status, no matter our gender, no matter our race, no matter our ethnicity, no matter our nationality, that we all have the opportunity to hear and believe in the life-giving, saving uh, message of Jesus and the gospel. And so, so for some of us, it's going to be an encouragement to engage the Spirit. And for others of us, it might be all a little bit new and confusing, and that's okay. Hopefully, I didn't confuse you too much. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit is with us and invite the band up. We're going to sing one more song. That's all right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that a chapter like this can inspire us to ask what it looks like to be a person who is filled with, led by, and empowered by your spirit. God, right now we just, uh, as a church, confess our need 
uh, to be empowered and led by you, Holy Spirit. We pray that as we continue our series through the book of Acts, um, that you would engage our hearts um, and challenge us, Lord, to ask what it looks like to fulfill your mission, to go to the ends of the earth and be a witness of who you are, God, because we're convinced it's good news and we need good news now more than ever, God. And so send your Holy Spirit. May, be a, we, may we be aware of the reality that your Spirit is with us and dwells us as followers of Jesus and is available to us to empower us to be your witnesses, God. We need you. We confess our desperation for you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 